Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5, and this is Lesson 36, the final lesson for the year. We are going to pick up where we left off on page 33. We are looking at uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, Matthew chapter 5, oh my goodness, it is the last one for the year, isn't it? Yeah, we're there, I can tell. Matthew chapter 5, <laughs> verse 19, we are now looking at the person that does God's Word, practices God's Word, and teaches others to do the same. And Jesus saying that he or she shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So it's obvious that Jesus places great emphasis on doing or practicing what you've been taught. And actually goes on to say that you shall be called great. Do you understand? You shall. You normally just be great, you'll actually be called great. In the kingdom of heaven. Amen. People will walk up and say, here's the great minister, Susanna. You know, yes, she knows. She spent 60 years in Bible college. and, and in, <laughs> She knows more about my life than even me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, praise God. Um, anyway, <laughs> this is in fact the way Jesus lived his entire life. And it had such an impact on his half-brother. That is, he practiced what he, what he preached. And he did, you know, from the greatest to the least thing, he did what was right. Amen? And what was godly, not just right. Hallelujah. And, you know, the book of James has been described as the New Testament Proverbs. Because there's so much wisdom in that book. And guess where he got all this wisdom from? Watching his brother. Amen? And... Uh, I think that's why it is so unique. And James is the one that writes in James chapter 1 and verse 25. He says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Did you see that? He said, in, in other words, he heard it, he remembered it, he did it. He didn't hear it and forget it. Amen? And so he says, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Do you know the blessing is on your doing? It's, it's, it's not in the hearing. The hearing helps you to know what to do. But it is in the doing that you are actually blessed. Amen? And can I just say this as well? I was talking about this on, you know, I think on Sunday. And that is... God does see the intent of your heart, by the way, family. You know, once you receive instruction and when you decide to do something, the moment that you decided to do it, in a sense, God sees you doing it. And God will start blessing you for uh, the thought of doing it before you even do it. Are you all here? And that's why I said, don't play games with God and say, no, if I think it really hard. and then Because <laughs> he, here's the other part too. The, the part that says, I'll just think it and then maybe he'll reward me for it. I really don't want to do it. He heard that part too, okay? He sees the end of the movie. Alright, so, but you know, if, <laughs> if it was in your heart to do, it was all there. And for some reason you couldn't, God will bless you anyway. As, so I want to just add that 
in there as well. Alright, it's obvious that James not only practiced God's word, but also went on to teach others to do the same, and therefore would have been considered to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Before we go on, however, it is important to acknowledge that you must first hear and receive God's word into your heart before you can ever go on to do it yourself, let alone teach others to do the same. That requires both a conscious decision and a disciplined lifestyle. With Jesus saying in Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 20, very famous verses, I've preached a whole series on this almost. He says, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside, or the hard path, where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, one of the things that Jesus will go on to talk about, his disciples are going to come and ask him, what do you mean by all this? All right? And when we get to these, he will actually say, because they'll say, what, do you, what did you mean? <laughs> you know? he'll, he'll then go to describe different things. He's not describing, describing them here, so let me just add a little bit as we go. Okay? It is later on in, in this very chapter. But the hard part are those people that immediately reject the word. Satan doesn't come immediately to steal the word, or Satan can't come immediately and steal the word from everybody. We used to preach that at one stage, you know, Word of Faith used to believe that and preach that, and I was a part of that, and so I believed that until I realized otherwise. But, you know, I used to always think that as soon as you receive the word, watch out, as soon as you walk out the door, Satan's going to try and steal it. No, he can only steal the word that you reject. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen? So it's a funny thing that until you reject it, he can't steal it. That's why it's called a hard path. Do you understand when you throw seeds on solid ground, it just bounces. It doesn't go into the soil. Amen? Just like when you preach words to somebody that is hard-hearted, that will not be re- is, is not receptive, the words bounce off of them. Satan comes immediately to steal that because he doesn't want it lying around. Because it has potential. Alright. Amen. Uh, Verse 16, he says, Likewise are the ones uh, sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises for... Okay, the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. Now I want you to notice that it didn't come for their sake, it came because of what they heard. Notice the kind of ground they are, by the way. They are stony ground. Okay, notice that the seed takes root to a degree. But as soon as pressure comes on it, as soon as, you know, the devil kind of turns up the heat, you know what I'm trying to say, okay? They just kind of go, well, this stuff doesn't work. You know, and, and that's really sad, because they did receive it. And, you know, it's very dangerous. The people that receive it like this, It's very dangerous because the next time you minister, they say, well, we've done it, we've heard it all before. Are you all with me? And then it becomes really hard now to to get anything through to them. That's why, and notice it said that they have no root in themselves. It doesn't go down. So there are some people that will be very excited about the word. Listen to me. You could have, let, let, let me put four people in a row right now, okay? You have the person that hears the word, and I'll, I'll deal with this as you go so you can see comparisons. You, you have the person that hears the word and goes, yeah, no, I don't want to know about this. Okay? Hard ground. You have the person, these other three people now are very, very interesting. They all have a smile on their face. They're all receiving the word. So the first one receives, the, the stony ground receives the word with a smile on their face. And they're excited about it. 
and they go to try, try to do something, and they get attacked. The smile is wiped off their face, they think this stuff doesn't work, and moves on. Okay? Alright. Now these are the ones that are sown among thorns. So this is number three in the row. Remember, first one is hard ground, second is stone, now we come to the thorns, okay? Now they're going to receive it with, with a smile as well. Remember I told you three people are smiling, okay? So watch this. He says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So here's a person that takes the word in, you can't have deceitfulness of riches without riches. Sin. You can't have cares without having something to care about. Which means the word took root and started producing something in their life. Do you hear me? Whereas the other one, a bit, so thorny ground, the pressure came and it didn't affect them. Listen now, okay? Watch this. The first one immediately rejects it. The second one receives it. It it starts to take root. Pressure comes, they let go of it. The third one receives it. Pressure comes, they go, forget about it. Pastor told me about you. (laughs) Okay? And so, they persevere. And if you actually read, they begin to produce fruit. Okay? But the thing is that the deceitfulness kicks in. It's like, okay, see now, you believe for money, you got money. You believe for time off, you got time off. And you know, why don't you go do something with that money? I mean, do you have to go to church every Sunday? Let me just use church as an example. It doesn't have to be this, okay? Or let's use another one. Do you have to wake up every morning and pray? Or summer, you know, I mean, it's winter, it's cold, nobody expects you to pray in this time. Okay, <laughs> when they get to summer, we'll negotiate again. No, okay, you know how this happens, but dear God, before that, you just got up, you didn't care how cold it was. You go blue, but you keep praying, because bless, you needed it. Amen? So see how deceitfulness kicks in. And you kind of start to change your priorities. And can I say that? That your priorities got changed and the word was choked out. Get it? But here's the fourth one on the row, also smiling. This one smiles all the way. Okay? It says, But these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word, accept it. And can I just add a few things? All right? The pressures came and they, they stood against it and won. The deceitfulness came. And they stood against it and won. And they bore fruit. Hallelujah. And it was full fruit. Because number three also started to bear fruit. When you read further, you actually find. But this one stayed with it. Didn't allow anything to get in the way. They realized that it was more important to keep their eyes on the giver, not the gift. Number three got their eyes off the giver and onto the gift. But number four didn't. Amen? That's you. Hallelujah. I'm saying by faith in Jesus' name. And watch! And they bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and uh, some a hundred. This is not percentage. This is times. Whatever. Amen? So you received thirty times, sixty times, and a hundred times over. Whatever it is that, and and notice something here. Can I just share something as well? Notice we're talking about the word here. Do you know the word will multiply in you if you allow it? 
it, it doesn't add, it multiplies in you. So the revelation that you begin to get explodes on the inside of you. And you should be walking out knowing so much and getting so much insight and become so difficult for the devil to mess with you anymore because you just know stuff. I, I just want to share that with you because that's what people, those are basically the four kinds of people that receive the word. Before you can ever do it, you need to first receive it. And these are four kinds of receivers. Can I say that? Okay, one actually isn't. Alright, added to hearing and receiving God's word, Jesus also goes on to talk about being a doer of the word. And says in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to get to this, verses 24 through 27, uh, He says, Therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house, or her house, on, uh, on the rock. Verse 25, And the rain descended, The floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. Amen? Verse 26, he says, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man, or woman, who built his house on the sand, and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and it didn't just fall. It didn't just fall. Great was its fall. You need to be careful when you receive God's word. If you become like this person that built their house in the sand, Satan will blow it down to such a degree that he will make sure that you can't use anything to rebuild. Do you understand? And he'll do such a job that you'll go advertise it. Listen, people actually go and, you know, these are the people that say, I tried that stuff and it didn't work. And, I, and, and in fact, it, it didn't just work. Things got worse after I started doing this stuff. I know people who have said that and actually walked away because things got worse. Instead of standing, having done all to stand, stand. Don't run. <laughs> okay? And you, and that's what you guys do. You stand regardless. Praise God. And then the blessings come. God is always faithful. Amen? Now once you hear, receive, and go on to do God's word, the next step is to teach it to others. Because that's where the blessing is. And that's what makes you great in God's eyes. And why Jesus said again, Matthew chapter 5 verse 19, Whoever does and teaches them. So, do you understand you have to become a doer of the word first, produce fruit, before you can ever teach anybody? And so, he says, whoever does and teaches them, that's God's word, he shall be called, or she shall be called, great in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So, you know what? In other words, you know, in order for him to teach, he, was, he must have been doing it. Amen. And was the greatest example to anybody who was watching. Praise God. And I, you know, one of the things, I, I think that's one of the key things that caused the disciples you know, when they realized that He was the Messiah, when they looked back and remembered the things that He did, what a visual that would have been for them. Once they got that, that new spirit on the inside of them, and they saw with new eyes, and all the things they were complaining about. <laughs> do we, Jesus, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to? Suddenly it would have been, oh, thank God, you did it, Jesus. That was the perfect thing to do. Are you all here? Because the Holy Spirit would have started talking to them about how He led Jesus in the things that He did, and what the wisdom behind all of it was. And then they would have followed after Him in everything that they did. Hallelujah. Amen. That's Jesus. Amen? Okay.
However, you must be careful to teach what is right. Because the Apostle James says in James chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Amen. Because we can lead people astray and we can do it in bulk. <laughs> okay. So, to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you need to do the following three things. Number one, you need to be good ground in hearing and receiving God's word. Second, be a wise man or a woman acting on what you've heard. Third, teach others to observe and do God's word themselves. Amen? That's it, three steps. Could have done this whole lesson in those three steps. But no. <laughs> Alright. Let's move on to true righteousness. We're getting through this. That's great. I didn't want to spend a lot of time on anything. Following this, Jesus now goes on to say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, For I say to you, Jesus again challenges their way of thinking. Alright? Saying that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In his commentary, Leon Morris says that the Pharisees put a tremendous emphasis on the letter of the law. But Jesus was looking for something very different from the Pharisaic standard. For them, it was a matter of observing regulations and softening them where possible. But for him, it was keeping the commandments in depth. He taught a radical obedience. Amen? And you know, and not a law type of, obe- of obedience. Can I just add this to, to, to this please? It wasn't a law kind of an obedience. He was more of a heart obedience. It wasn't, you know, <laughs> with, with, with the Pharisees, it was about looking good. With Jesus, it was about what's in your heart. I don't care what you're doing on the outside. You may look good on the outside, but what's happening inside? Amen. And he's saying, listen, your heart needs to be right. Because when your heart is right before God, then the blessings fall. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so, in Luke chapter 16, we get a glimpse of what Jesus was making reference to with verses 14 and 15, saying, Now the Pharisee, Pharisees who were lovers of money, wow, that, that, that sentence shouldn't even be there. You know what I'm trying to say? It's very sad that they had become this way. These people that stood for the highest standard of holiness at one time are now like this. Okay, anyway. He says, Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they derided or ridiculed him. And he said to them, verse uh, 15, You are those who justify yourselves before men. Do you notice this? But God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. In other words, he's saying you look good to people. And you know, you make a show of everything that you do. All your holiness, all your prayers, all your giving, all the stuff that you do. It's just like, oh look, it's a Pharisee as it floats past, you know. And they, they just are in awe. Except God looks at that and He's not happy at all. Are you all with me? And that's what He's saying here. He says, for what is highly esteemed among men, which tells us something, they were highly esteemed among men. Okay? is an abomination in the sight of God. Wow. I think a lot of people are going to be shocked at how many of their heroes end up in hell. Sorry to say that and being so harsh about it, but that's what this is saying. If it's an abomination before God, it is very bad. 
Do you all understand? Okay. In other words, God is looking for the kind of righteousness that proceeds from the heart and comes from a holy life and lifestyle. Not one that is hypocritical, outward, and only interested in impressing people. See, and, and again, that's the thing. You know, people say, oh, you're religious. I hope not. Amen. We should never be religious. Do you understand? We should be real. That's it. We're real in the way we love you. We're real in the way we worship God. We are just real. We, if we're religious, please tell us we want to stop. <laughs> okay? And get real again. Amen. Because religion is all about outward. Now, James tried to redeem that word and called it pure religion. But understand something. Pure religion. Amen? It's the only one acceptable to God, which is, which is I, I'm saying, from the heart. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, in his commentary, William Hendrickson says that what Jesus was effectively saying to these Pharisees was, you are the people who pass yourselves off before men as if you were living in harmony with God's holy law. But your righteousness is only a, a, a facade. And he says, on the inside, you are the very opposite of what you want people to believe you are. Isn't that incredible? What a, what a statement that is. You are the exact opposite. You're not just, see, again, that's different to somebody. Now listen, okay, if you are trying your best, you are, you know, you are ministering to people and you're telling them, do your best. And you know, you slip and you fall and you make big, big mistakes. I'm not talking to you. You're still trying. You're still trying to get there. And you know what? If somebody that you're teaching does better than you, then hallelujah. They did it because you encouraged them on. Are you all with me? So that's not the person we're talking about here. We are talking about somebody that says, Oh, you should not steal. It's bad for you to steal and everything else. Five minutes later, they go hustle somebody and steal their money. Are you all with me? I mean, literally just turns around and does the exact thing they told you not to do, they do without conscience. That's who I'm talking about. Okay. Let me continue. However, God has your number. (laughs) He knows that your religion is a sham. For what men see of you and admire is an abomination in God's sight. What's so sad is that this had become the Pharisees' way of life. Outward appearance with no substance whatsoever. And why Jesus would go on to say to them in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish. See, you show off, okay? But inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. In your heart, this is what you really are like. Amen? In his commentary, Leon Morris says that the Pharisees were meticulous with outward things. Things that people could notice and that would impress on observers just how pious the Pharisees were. I mean, wow, look at that person. Look how they do that. Look how they do this. You know, this was, we see that today to a degree in some of the denominational churches in the way that they wear their garments and the way that they swing the little thing and, you know, how they prepare things and all of that suddenly becomes all very important and God doesn't care. The people care, but God doesn't care. The people admire it. Watch how skillfully he... <laughs> Again, God's going, I don't want to know what, what... I'm still waiting for you to talk to me. 
Amen? Amen. Okay. So, continuing on with Leon Morris, they were not so careful about the things that people could not see and measure. In other words, what actually mattered to God didn't matter to them. Did you get that? Added to this, T.H. Robinson goes and explained that these people ate and drank luxuriously things which they secured by acts of violence and wrong. What they put in their cups was contaminated by the source from which it had come. And it was useless to polish the outside of the vessel and so meet the demands of the traditional law. In short, let me finish this off. Jesus let them know that no amount of ceremonial washing and polishing of cups and bowls would ever compensate for their corruption, misconduct, dishonesty, and self-indulgence. And why he says again in Matthew 5.20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Okay, well, that's it for tonight as we finish off the year. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to come and be a part of this. And I just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. In fact, when we come back, we'll look at Proverbs chapter 6, where it talks about the things that God really hates. And you know what's really sad is that the Pharisees actually (laughs) fell into every single one of these categories. So anyway, rather than leave you all on a sour note, (laughs) we'll stop here and uh, let's pray and let's conclude for tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we just thank you.